0: Hello and welcome to the Becoming Lit Podcast. I'm your host, Ann Fancy, and I am truly grateful you are here with me today. This podcast is dedicated to having deep and honest, raw and soulful conversations around what it means to be an embodied soul living this messy human existence. We'll dive into storytelling, into asking hard questions, exploring wonders of the universe, and digging into some weird stuff. But the whole point here together is that we look deeply into our own life, into our own truth, into our own soulful alignment, and that we peel away everything that doesn't serve. And we step into exactly who we intend to be, to embody as much light as possible, and to shift and change this world for the better. I'm grateful for your presence here, for all the ways you show up in your life, and of course, for lighting up your own corner of the world. Hey, everybody. Uh, Today's episode is a little different. Casey Must and I are cross-collaborating on recording this episode. So you'll hear the intro, which is the intro for Casey's podcast associated with Citizen Yoga, where I teach yoga. And we decided that um, it was really just a conversation we wanted to have together and share across both of our platforms. We talk about life during COVID. We talk about what it means to own a business in the midst of a pandemic. We talk about Black Lives Matter and scarcity, vulnerability. And it's just a really honest, raw conversation between friends talking about what it's like to be in the world right now. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. And of course, check out other episodes on Casey's podcast. And please subscribe and share this one. I appreciate you. Thank you for showing up.
1: My name is Casey Must. I am the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga in Detroit and Cleveland, and you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast where we get to extend our mission, which is to improve mental health and prevent suicide through personal growth and transformation. We bring on our teachers, we bring on other experts and our community to expand on things that are close to our heart and help the listeners Uh, potentially expand how they're thinking about a topic, a perspective. Today, uh, my guest is Anne Fancy, and um, I'm gonna have Anne, unlike most, Fancy has been with me since the beginning of Citizen, uh, prior to the beginning of Citizen actually. And we opened this company, I say we because it really was we, we opened this company for a variety of reasons. Um, one of which that we've boiled down is to have the opportunity to teach students versus instruct students. So what, does that, what did that mean to us at that time?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was about feeling stifled in the space I was in, that the place I was teaching at had fe- began to felt, feel um, oppressive in a way because I was being asked to show up inauthentically. And I, there was a lot of pressure on me basically to not be myself, to not teach alignment based vinyasa and, um, which was really at my heart. And it was sort of a push pull for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I wanted out, but I didn't know that I wanted to be a business owner. Mm. And, um, and so it was just really serendipitous that, that you were ready to create a change and I needed change and I knew in my heart there was room for a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, because what I was doing was successful, even against sort of the oppression it was facing, like the, Mm -hmm. the the powers that be were not supporting it. And, and so I was just, um, craving. I remember literally saying to you like, if you build it, they will come. And I, I knew that like deeply that there was room to honor the boundary and integrity built into asana Mm -hmm. while still then liberating students to explore and be themselves.
1: Yeah. And something that I think is really difficult and, and I think that I was faced with this more this past year, especially as we became bigger. And it was something I didn't really expect to be faced with, which is the sort of the paradox of allowing people to have freedom in their teaching, but upholding a standard, and and how do we balance those two things is a question I ask myself a lot. Um, I think I've become a little better at it,
0: uh, but what what's the point of a standard? Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, the thing is, is that there's all kinds of standards, right, in the mm-hmm. world, and the studio I originally was at definitely had a standard. It just wasn't in alignment alignment with my core values. Right. And so I think like we need, there needs to be some sort of, I mean, listen, you have a brand, right? Citizen is a brand you have to have, there's gotta be some unifying principles and and really, it goes back to core values. Like, What are your core values as a, as a business owner? What are your core values as a studio owner? What are the core values in the classroom? What are the core values of your, that you have on your teaching staff? And then finding people who fit into that and trusting that the, the right students would also come once that standard was created. But, but it's, also, it's really what we're facing in many ways in the pandemic, which is that many of us, it's like control and rigidity makes us feel safe and really what we're not like the standards the rules aren't so tight like i think the beauty of anything true is that that the truth of it that the the heart of it holds up even if some of it evolves a little or yeah. or it gets a little blurred like there's still like an anchor in in truth and integrity yeah. um even as things continue to evolve and grow because your concept of citizen and our our concept of citizen has definitely um, grown and evolved, and you've had to see what works and doesn't work. But at the heart, the same integrity and truth has held up, right?
1: Yeah. There's sort of the like people that I would call some more of like the originals that mm-hmm. stayed. And you know, you and Paul and Todd and Lauren Meyer and Zemba, and Nick was pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. Um, LaDani was always a student with us in the beginning, but seeing how. Those people still hold the same values, Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. But I think you and I, I think I really struggle as a business owner. Oh my God, I have so many thoughts right now. I'm going to try to like.
0: Go ahead. I'll help you.
1: um, Like, I really, you always tell me to not feel like this, but I always (laughs) want everybody to be with us. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the hardest things that I've learned through COVID is the letting go Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of, of people and ideas and and my identity and the vision of what I thought this year was going to be. And that, that the core values of, of citizen and seeing, people live them, not really resonate with them, teach for other core values mm-hmm. or other reasons. I wouldn't call them core, core values. values. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> I would call them other reasons yeah. of like individualism. Ego-driven yeah. values, yeah. Which is very opposite of, you, I mean, you and I, and we talk yeah. a lot about that. And not everybody will have more collective values. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that has been something that I, I personally struggle with a lot is I feel like when people... We don't share the same values. This is where I'm such a softie. Mm-hmm. I view it as a failure in myself mm-hmm. versus just a mismatch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, I, I think it's so fascinating that like your personal experience as a business owner and really holding the emotional as well as fiscal weight of the studio um, is so in alignment with what's happening in the world, right? Yeah. Like, like as I'm listening to you. The reason I always say let them go is because from one step more removed, just like the compassionate witness, I can say, listen, you're just peeling away what what isn't in alignment. You're just releasing what doesn't fit. And that might mean students, that might mean teachers, that might be somebody walking out of your class midway through the class that just can't hang with wh- however you're showing up. Like, and we talk about that all the time from a personal place, like, Can I really look at myself and allow what doesn't fit, what was never mine, what was programmed into me to fall away and let Mm -hmm. it go without grasping. And in the midst of a pandemic, we tend to grasp more tightly, even to, especially to what is known, but Mm -hmm. unnecessary anymore or known, but, um, limiting, limiting and, and like has been needing to go for so long, but because of the inherent, fear and unknown of the world, um, we tend to grab on even more tightly to sort of that old, that old programming, right? That fear-based mind, it's ego, it's scarcity, it's all that wraps up together. So I think that your softiness, for sure, you want to make everybody happy Mm. and you want to make sure everybody feels taken care of and you feel so responsible for everyone. Mm -hmm. But in truth, like I think that any business Has to establish who they are and allow the people that it's like what we teach every teacher trainer Mm -hmm. show up as you, your people will find you. Mm -hmm. If you show up inauthentically, you will not have as committed and loyal of a community or a a right, whatever class, right? Mm -hmm. Um, People won't have the same loyalty, and so. Over time, you as the creator of Citizen and really the heart of Citizen have had to continue to redefine your core values. And then that ripples out to teachers, students, staff, and the people who need to go will eventually go, right? Yeah. And the people who need to come will eventually come, right?
1: I had asked my business mentor the other day, like, okay, well, I, I, I see turnover as this like giant failure, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really like this, like, oh, I failed at something and, or I'm not doing a good job in my job. And he was describing like, okay, it's either a training issue, a values issue. He didn't use values, but I'm going to use values. It's a training issue, a values issue. And either one of those become, or it's just like the fatal flaw of like, it doesn't fit. And like, you have to be okay with that. And I think that that has truly like, part of my makeup is, I'm not optimistic, actually. I'm idealistic Mm -hmm. and have this like ever- belief that not that i can help people change but that people will change or yeah they'll they'll move from feeling like i need to just be myself and promote myself to oh i see the value of being a part of something like i think i've tried over time to tuck myself into citizen yoga Mm. Like that has been something that was really important to me. Like even on our social media, I really try to like not have too many photos of me on our social media on our website. There's only one photo of me Mm -hmm. on our website. And I sort of try to tuck myself into citizen so that it doesn't feel like this expression of like Casey's life, which is Mm -hmm. it's a hard thing to do. Um, But that, that has been like my own personal journey, Mm -hmm. but it, it, it's sort of looking at how, uh, particularly right now, how over the years you will tell me, like, let them go. Mm-hmm and, and, and let it go. Like, mm-hmm. right. Like let it go. And right. The, all the baggage. All and
0: the, yeah. Take what's yours. Right. Like right. that's the real lesson. Yes. What is, what is in this? Cause what you were just saying from your coach is true. If it's training, then you learn yes. if it's, um, what was the second thing? Fate, like values or fate. Yeah. yeah. Then you learn. And if it's sort of the fatal fit, right. Or whatever right, that was fatal flaw, yeah. fatal flaw that doesn't fit you then take that too, but you have to like maintain that balance of perspective. I mean, we need to do that in everything in any relationship that's sort of falling apart. And anytime we're triggered and when somebody gives us feedback, like we have to go, what if this is mine to reflect on, right? What if this is about them? Mm -hmm. And what if this is just, I need to let it go because it's just, it's not going to serve my growth. It's just, you know, how how quickly can I release the sort of the negativity that's hanging on with that? And I think it's hard for all human beings and then and then back to, like, sort of individual versus community, which you kind of tied in there for a second. Um, it's so interesting because I was uh, re-listening to the book called um, uh, Journey of Souls, um, which I read once we lost our buddy Brian a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Um, Is who it, was, I feel
1: like he's, like around us today. Oh, for sure. He's always here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, well, maybe he knew I was going to bring him up. Um, but I was re-listening to the book and it was talking about, um, like the evolution of souls and, and different, like how you can identify, um, where you kind of are in that evolutional evolution path of Mm -hmm. a soul and, And what it was saying was that as you evolve, that your tendency is to see the world with a little more ideal and hopefulness, which we both do. Yes. Yes. And, um, and that you, that I think that the other piece of it that really struck me was like this community focus, right? And in the pandemic, it's made us inherently selfish because we're worried about our base needs being met, right? Like, Mm -hmm. who's that? not Pavlov. Maslow. Maslow. Well, thank you. And it was yeah. an S. Yes. Right. Um, the hierarchy of needs, our base needs are being threatened, right? Food security, shelter. Um, but so we, so we all have found ourselves scrambling in that, like, uh, just human reaction. We are mammals, right? Like, are we going to be okay? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, those, I think my expectation often for people and like where I'm sometimes so frustrated by the world and like, are we living in, in a twilight zone or parallel universes? Because don't you care about the whole, like, don't you care about the community? I mean, yeah, don't you want, I know, right. Don't you want everyone to have access to water and healthcare and healthy food and nutrition and education? And like, don't you want that? Like, and the answer for a lot of people is no, no, I'm too afraid. I can't see outside of myself right now. And So I think reflecting back to the business, like you have to balance people's fears and individual needs and desires and egos, right, with also the vision, especially in the midst of chaos, of maintaining citizen to survive for everybody, right, and not only for you but for everyone, which is huge emotional weight, and has been really hard, and you've done an amazing job, and because you are a softy, it's so. Personal, which it should be because you are a caring, thoughtful person. Right. But like, this is where individual versus whole, I'll give you a second. Just keep talking. Thank this you. is where individual versus whole is so important because while we're in our own fear and scarcity, um, at least for me as like, as we're facing this and I have the privilege of not relying in the way that I used to on my yoga income, it used to be my only way to survive. And yeah. I'm so grateful that that is not true for me anymore. Um, because it allowed me to have a totally different perspective. Yeah. And, um, but I also am able to see, I'm also able to see from the perspective of, Oh, I'm having a trigger. I'm having a reaction. This isn't enough. Like I get that. Like we all can feel that, but I also understand that you as a business owner have done, um, everything you can to, be so careful about every decision in an effort to not only save your teachers who you feel very responsible for, save your community and of course save your business, right? Which is if the business doesn't get saved. None of us have, mm. like forget the individual, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we are, we are the collective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure.
1: I think that there's, yeah. I I think that the, the weight of Making sure that everybody is okay has created, I mean, if you don't, if you don't know me very well, then it won't be obvious when I teach because teaching to me is like this bubble of like presence that I don't get anywhere else mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. and teaching it to me is that privileged space. It's not a job.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not, I don't do it. I do it because it's, it's so Like it's, it's my first love, Mm -hmm. which I never expected. I thought actually running the business was going to be my first love. Mm. And then teaching was just going to be a thing that I did. Mm. And it completely has reversed over the years, um, where teaching has become the privileged space of my day. And, um, so I think that like, if you do know me and you've, you've been around me, um, it's sort of holding two sides of myself. One is like, I'm not allowed to have my own individual experience of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. People forget that I'm just an individual having Mm -hmm. my own pandemic experience because Mm -hmm. my role is to hold everybody else's pandemic experience. Mm. So like when people are talking to me, sometimes I feel like, okay, my, my experience of this is pretty negated, which is okay. Like that is my job. But then in the, my private life or when I have conversations with you or Adam or Morgan or, you know, Sujin, whoever it is that's, like, sort of listening consistently to, like, how I'm feeling about what's going on, it's, it's sort of like this, I, I can't help what's happening and I can't do better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is very difficult for me because mm-hmm. before I could do better, I had more... I've been so responsible with the business, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've worked incessantly Mm -hmm. and I was telling Alyssa this morning, like I wake up at 4 a.m. every night right now and I think about my to-do list and I acknowledge that there are, there is no way that I have enough hours in my day to actually do the work I need to get done. Mm -hmm. There's literally no way. Mm -hmm. If I worked from 6 a.m. to, which is usually what my day is, to 8 to 8.30, Mm -hmm. I, there is no possibility of even chipping away at this like infinite to-do list because I, I just, I, I don't, there's so we're opening a new business and a business that I didn't even plan to open. So there's like that piece. And Mm -hmm. then just that sadness that I, I feel that I can't provide for everybody right now, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you and I have talked about that and Sort of watching people move in and out of feeling supported, feeling unsupported, and n- not knowing how to support people through this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because our government and our leadership isn't helping me either. And I think that that's really the biggest thing, is that it, from the top, we're not being supported. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like, you know, I bought this mug from the Colbert show, um, Be Your Own President.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. And really, that's really what is, um, is being required of us right now. It's mm-hmm. like, be your own president. Um, be your own leader. And that is really sad because that is causing the—it's stripping away. This thought was, we all have core values that we say we are, mm-hmm. that we present. Yes. And I think that in a pandemic like this that we've never expected— Mm-hmm. Our core values are so challenged that they are stripped away. And what you've actually, what I've seen and not everybody, of course, so don't, don't take this personally. Um, and it may in, in just watching the news, let's just put it in the news instead of in citizen mm-hmm. or our immediate community that what has, what is left is just this individual value mm-hmm. of the, in, of the individual. Mm-hmm. And so what core values do we really hold? Right. And that, to me, has been maybe the most de- disappointing
0: and depressing um, part of the pandemic for me. Yeah, I just suddenly got like this, this like vision of that. In many ways, not all, but in many ways, that is sort of the the parallel timelines and the twilight zone experience. Is yeah. that there's those of us kind of screaming out like where's your humanity? Right. And, um, and really like calling the, the shadows all over every single institution are being illuminated. Mm-hmm. And we're looking like, can't you see this? Don't you see this? Don't you care? Don't you want everybody to be okay? And then it seems like the other sort of line is mm-hmm. like just totally focused on self-me and self-preservation and personal survival. Mm. And you and I and many of the people that we surround ourselves with are like, don't you recognize now more than ever our individual survival is dependent on our collective survival? Mm. And, and until we are really willing to return back to that knowing, we're going to be in this bizarre
1: mm-hmm.
0: world of, of conflict mm-hmm. and separation Um, you know, for me, like I thinking about all of this, like what lessons have come from it or reminders have come is like how valuable tribe is. And I mean that in, in that, you know, the pre, pre industrial revolution, probably when we were so much more community and Mm -hmm. village based, even in early America. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, there was still, still such a sense of like, um, at least holding space to hold together the, your, your closest collective group. Right. Mm -hmm. And that you relied on one another, um, to make it work. And I felt that way after having my daughter, but I, I felt that way even more like crisis schooling as a mother and trying to figure this out and the isolation and the individual to me felt terrible. Yeah. So jarring. Yeah. And I, as soon as was humanly possible, once we felt safe in quarantine, we started to like figure out who's our, who's pod. our pod? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not surviving like this. My mental health isn't surviving. Mm. And it's really interesting to reflect on that, um, as far as like citizen and that community space and that desire to have that community is that for a lot of people, I think that's exactly how they feel. They live in their apartment by themselves, young professionals. They have their group of people, but they know that they can show up to citizen mm-hmm. in the community space and feel seen and validated. And like mm-hmm. back to core values, like that to me was a core value of citizen. At least that's a core value of my teaching is mm-hmm. that, you know, that if you walk into that space, even if we don't share words, even if I only mingle in your energy field, right. Or, or meander mm-hmm. around your energy field that, you know, that I see you, that you're valued exactly as you are. Right. And, and I think that's, what the, the world is crying out for too. Mm-hmm. Right. The uprising of black lives matter. It's like, listen, We Mm -hmm. matter and we need you to, to acknowledge that we matter, period, end of Mm -hmm. story. And anyway, I could just go on and on on that, but like the pandemic is just illuminating all of these, um, places that, that are just, um, imbalanced, I Mm -hmm. guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, that it's, it's one of the things I, I have so many thoughts. I have like this scribbled piece of paper right now, but I'm going to, you know, I was thinking last night, I was talking to a good friend of mine who lived at the academy with me. Um, and you know, when I left the academy, um, the academy is an institution Mm -hmm. and through the pandemic, something that I have realized is that citizen because of its growth has become this semi pseudo institution. Mm -hmm. And that has like the resistance of, like, I'm now this institution mm. has been, like, sort of a part of my language, a mind fuck for me. Like, mm-hmm. well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an institution. like, right. Or, like, oh, like, this is a, like, I'm at Citizen, I'm not at Citizen, or, like, I'm this authority and the sort of anti-institution space. And I was, we were talking or re- recalling, like, does it, does it have to be this way? Like, and I think that you and I can prove that it doesn't have to be this way, but I think for a lot of people it is. Like, you get super involved in an institution, Mm -hmm. you, like, drink the Kool-Aid, you grow out of the institution, and you're resentful of the institution. Mm -hmm. And, like, something in Citizen that I really want to prove, but I don't, I know that's possible for a lot of people, I don't know if it's possible for all people, is to not have that happen. Mm. Like, how do we how do I create a porous enough space? How do we create a porous enough space that we stand for something, Mm -hmm. but we also allow for people to be the something. And I think that that is where it can be a little clunky. Mm -hmm. um, And, and, and and I don't want it. I don't want citizen to be some like institution like, Oh, I taught it this studio and Mm -hmm. like I loved it for five years or four years and then like oh like now I'm a different person now I have to like break that relationship and like get angry about it and like I'm not really talking about Citizen actually I'm talking more about even the academy like oh well are you deinstitutionalizing yourself Mm -hmm. and so something that I was talking about with Glenn last night was you know he sort of well I can't talk about him. I went through a breakup a little bit with the Academy when I moved home and went through a really deep depression, which you and I have talked about Mm -hmm. before on podcast. And one of the things that I realized, even though I love the Academy so much is like, I don't need the Academy for the knowledge. The knowledge was a gift and I don't have to have negative feelings about the Academy because I'm a different person now. Mm -hmm. I just have to see that it has roles in my life and it still has a role in my life. Mm -hmm. But because I've become a more mature person, I don't have to like, speak poorly about it, you know, I can grow out of it but still be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that through this experience of COVID actually and sort of the uprising against authority, I became this like authority figure that mm-hmm. I didn't really want to be. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and now like it's like I, I I don't know if I'm making sense, but like I'm the man, right? When did I become the man, right? And, like, how sad and isolating that experience was. I think that I, like, can feel that in my heart. Like, yeah. I think that that experience has maybe been the most disappointing of owning this company. Yeah. Because that is not what I want to be. And, like, I'm not. I know we're not. You know, I understand that we're not. Right. And it feels real. But it felt... That's what it felt like in that moment. And then I am in a different place than, let's say, like our teachers and our staff. And something I was talking about with Carrie Trahan was being an owner of a business or in a certain position, you have to sacrifice your certain relationships to be in that seat. Yeah. And that is something that I resist, you know, like I am Michael Scott in that way. Like Mm -hmm. he always wants to be friends with his employees and he just is like, we're buddies, we're buddies. And like, I think that that isolation during COVID of, I have this very important role right now. And at the same time, our country has a, and rightfully so, I'm not saying that it was not right, like rightfully so, an uprising against authority in some way, Mm -hmm. I never thought of myself as an authority figure. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that was a really jarring experience for me personally Mm -hmm. and really like put me inside of my own heart. And then like, my question is how do I ensure that the future of citizen is not, this is not an institution Mm -hmm. has porous boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think, and, and that. I understand what my role is in people's lives and I don't have to be an authority figure, but I do have to be a leader
0: Mm -hmm. and what's
1: the difference between an authority figure and a leader. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I mean that, uh, a couple of things, but I I don't look, of course I don't see you as an authority, but we have a different relationship and I can understand completely how people were treating you as the man for a while. And because they felt like they're, their, uh, their survival was dependent on your choices. Right. Yes. yes. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah. And the weight of that was, I asked for it. I'm yes. not complaining about it. I'm not a victim to it. Yes. This was my choice. Yes, But I also had to like bear that weight. I felt alone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though like I wasn't talking to you at the, not that I wasn't talking to yeah. you, but I meant like I wasn't really reaching out because I didn't know how to reach out in yeah. that moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're still human. And even though you made the choice to be a business owner and take on this responsibility, it doesn't mean that it's not still hard and heavy and real. Right. Yeah. I guess that's the point. Right. And that I think people in their individual suffering forget that you too have individual suffering. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say that that's something
1: that you, you personally, you fancy, um, have have really never forgotten. You never confuse that with me ever. Like you're, you, when I talk to you, you always remind me actually more so than like, you don't project on me that I don't have it. You actually are the person that like says to me, like, Hey, you're, you're an individual and you're allowed to feel. Yeah. And that's like, I really appreciate that.
0: Well, isn't that the lesson for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like Like no matter what roles we're playing and no matter, I think that's the thing that happens sometimes. I won't go on this diatribe too far, but I think that's what often happens in spirituality and yoga is that there's this idea that, um, if you're along the path, a certain amount that you're supposed to somehow, uh, just like be all love, peace and light and, and gracefully transition through every hardship. And I just call total BS on that. And that, people want to place that on you, you know? I remember somebody, like, coming... This is so random, but I was, you know, my I have a very long drive to the studio. It's about three and a half minutes. And I like to do, like, this little drive, like, loop and then hit 4th Street off of Woodward. And, you know, sometimes you sit in traffic to get across the second part of Woodward for quite a oh while. Oh, my God,
1: like 10 minutes. Right. Like, sometimes it's really long. Right, yeah. So...
0: You know, I happened to, at that moment where I was faced with a line of traffic, look at my phone and some student must have been driving near or by or whatever and saw me and made some comment like, like, I thought you were more evolved than that. Or some sort of just like BS, like, because I'm a yoga teacher, I shouldn't check my phone while in traffic or something. And I was, you know, it's like, so it's the same thing. Like we warn teacher trainers, like to be really careful about when you take the seat of the teacher people will try to elevate you to a place beyond where you belong. Right. And that I've spent my life as a yoga teacher trying really hard to stay really human and grounded so that I own my humanness and don't give you any room to put me anywhere else. Right. But in the position of a business owner, It takes on this whole other energy. So now you've got seat of the teacher and wise business owner, also the man at times, right? And so it's like whether or not you asked for it, and whether or not you ask for a citizen to be an institution or whatever, people create their own contracts. Totally. And like the surrender,
1: like the like, it's so interesting because like no matter how much um, you fight, I fight against the const. There's a woman that's going to come on our podcast in a couple weeks. She'll you will love her. Okay. Um, but she talks a lot about how like basically the projected view of others and you can't, you can't convince somebody when they have a very strong projection that you are anything other than their projection. And at that point you just sort of have to let it go. That's true of everything,
0: right? That's true of every relationship. We decide who our spouse is, and then when they, when they show up differently, for usually for a long time, we keep pretending that that's not true of them until eventually it comes to a point where you're like, wait, I have to reconcile who I've made you to be and who you actually are. Yes. And, and I think that's the breakup, breakdown of many relationships is that people aren't willing to reconcile that gap of, who I think you should be and who I've made you out to be and who you actually are. Um, And and back to like projecting our own supposed core values and then hitting a pandemic. Um, Part of what I was hearing when you were talking about citizen as an institution and learning and and figuring out how it can be more porous, I think this goes back to the conversation I'm constantly having both with students and friends and everybody, um, which is like, am I is the studio is the, the business concept. Um, are you as a human being, are you willing to evolve? Like, are you right. willing to grow and transition? You know, I was saying yesterday in class of talking about this idea of flow, cause I had this absolutely hilarious tubing, um, experience, but I won't share that with you. But uh, so many of the lessons are about learning how to just like surrender into right. what was happening and that you had no effing control right? and you were trying your best to go with the flow. Oh even God. if the flow doesn't seem to be moving. Right. right. And so it was like, you know. Is that when like the water comes over the tube? The, no, this was that more was like, like I really hate that when the water like goes over the front of the tube and
1: then you're like being dragged underneath the water. Okay, that's so really
0: scary. That is scary, and this is the kind of tubing where you are at the mercy of the river because it's like the rafting tubing, but oh. a lazy river. So sorry, that was unclear. But yes, that is another uh, okay, lesson: yeah. let go of the damn tube in that in that mm-hmm. situation. This was more like the river was so high it wasn't moving, and then the wind was blowing against us, and we you were going backwards were completely. Up the stuck. River? Yes. We were oh my god, that's a- Without a battle, literally that analogy and then trying to manage everybody's feelings and and what's happening. Anyway, the point was, it was a huge lesson in surrender, which is what this pandemic has been about. We don't know the outcome, right? We have no power. Sometimes it feels like we're literally moving backwards. A lot of the time, the winds Mm -hmm. against you, you've got no or, and you've got to just surrender into letting go and, 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 and then making moment by moment decisions yeah. um but within that is also what weight can i drop off what what am i re- willing to let like go of what is being really clear that isn't working and like it isn't just go with the flow and be this like inactive being which totally. i think you often hear about yeah. it's more like can i step into flow and recognize that it exists everywhere and that innovation and creativity and all of these things come out of this really uncomfortable place. And am I willing to evolve? Mm -hmm. Is the studio willing to continue to evolve and adapt? Am I going to find anchor to my resilience or am I going to keep pulling back into this perceived control? Mm -hmm. You know, um,
1: that was like, to me, that was something, um, that we had talked about before, which, uh, not here, but, uh, Which is if I have a really, if you have a really strong idea of what it should be or what it was, then you can't innovate. And that was, I was telling you that that was a process I had to go through in this moment. um, You know, we thought the pandemic, I'm going to write down so I don't forget this. Um, But in the beginning, you know, what we did and the decisions that we made, we were making, you know, decisions that were based on a three-week pandemic. Right. You know? Right. Like, that's what we thought it was going to be, or a six-week pandemic, mm-hmm. and then an eight-week pandemic, and mm-hmm. at some point, it was like, okay, like, there, there is this weird balance of like, okay, what, what amount of risk do we take and what amount of protection Mm -hmm. do we hold? Mm -hmm. And that has been to me, one of the most challenging things is Mm -hmm. the, the lack of timeline really makes your amount of risk that you know to take completely unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this, but like one of the risks was like paying our staff Mm -hmm. and that was a, a huge risk, but I also felt so grateful because I had been so smart in the past that I had, I think Morgan and I had talked about this, like, prepared for everything except this.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. I
1: prepared for, like, all of the different terrible outcomes that could happen except yeah. this outcome that yeah. I had never prepared for. Yeah. And I'm glad that I sort of prepared
0: for, like, other
1: terrible things, uh, other, other terrible things mm-hmm. to allow for everybody to get paid and feel relatively... Safe, yes, everything's relative, right? Like, relatively safe in a time that nobody felt safe in any company, yeah. Um, and then you know, not that we let it go, but we had to continue to evolve. And one of the biggest learning lessons is the stripping away of what I thought citizen what I remember citizen to be Mm. like, okay, I remember being in Detroit with 55 people or 60 people. Mm -hmm. I have those really strong memories. They're like being in your class at eight thirties, like whatever those memories are, like seeing David every Mm -hmm. Monday and Tuesday Mm -hmm. and like feeling those anchors of familiarity and stability. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like those students to me are familiarity and stability. Mm -hmm. And they also sort of like a dopamine reaction in my Mm -hmm. brain allow for me to withstand the, difficulty of running a business. Mm -hmm. And so when I go to teach class and I don't, I see students on zoom, of course, but there it's the human energy that allowed for me to have that resilience. Mm -hmm. No matter what the world was throwing at me that day is like, Oh, I would walk in and the world would be stripped away. Mm -hmm. And so when I was going through this, I had to envision like, what if citizen doesn't exist? Mm -hmm. And that has been my existential fear I don't know, and if all entrepreneurs feel like this, but yeah. I think that that is the existential fear that I had to say to myself, Who am I without this accessory? It's not an accessory, I don't mean yeah. accessory like lightly or like right. superficially. I just mean that this is a part of my identity, it's become a strong part of my identity, and who would I be? And how terrifying that thought was, Am I nothing without? my this community and to mm-hmm. me I would be I would feel so lost without the student community the teacher community the staff community but also not having any control and I think that that is what is what has happened to every person is mm-hmm. like you you have to get stripped down and be willing to let go of what was to take up what is and the innovation of doing a digital platform I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. Like, I mean, that's hysterical. Yeah. I like literally tell my staff, like, we feel like we're working one day for us right now is a week and one week is a year. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, because we, we don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, I had to have Adam tell me what a digital marketer was. I was like, can you explain this to me? And mm-hmm. then I had to Google it Yeah. because I'm like, I don't even know. Like that right. sounds so silly, but like that these are, this is the truth. Right. Right. And how do we, how have, people trust our teachers and our staff trust us in our innovations
0: yeah yeah I just keep hearing the same thing everywhere in every conversation I'm having which is and it always pulls me back to this reminder about sort of the planet which is like forest fires are even though they feel like devastation and like for me and probably you as a sensitive person like I feel sad for the trees and the animals and like I just like Oh, it like breaks my heart. But on the other hand, we also know that it's like a necessary part of the cycle of nature. Yeah. And that what happens is all this, like, you know, all the nutrients kind of from these trees feed the soil and this new growth happens. And that really the stripping away and this dismantling is, is, and it, it's the most like bittersweet part of every part of being a human on planet earth. Right. Yeah. That like, whether it's a, a loss or a breakup or whatever, whatever that perceived, um, stripping away is, it always allows room for fresh growth and beauty and things that you didn't expect yeah. to grow out of it. And that goes back to like that creati- creativity and innovation, but you have to release the grip, yeah, right? Like the grasping piece. Um, you have to let go a little bit in order to widen your viewpoint. And I know personally for me, like March to June, I am probably beyond my, I mean, I applaud you for being, you had necessity and you had so much pressure. You had to figure out how to be productive, but like mm-hmm. I have been swimming in some murky mm. waters where I just like feel like in a total fog most mm. of the time. I mean, there were weeks, there were probably months I could, I felt like I couldn't formulate thought mm. and I wasn't under specific stress. Like there wasn't, I mean, crisis schooling. Yes. But Mostly for the health of my relationship with my daughter, Um, Mm. but like there was nothing, uh, there was no inherent doom I was facing. But the energy of the world and like all of it, right, just feels and it still does. It still feels murky, Um, and so that had its own. It's like we we kept using all of us kept using that word about being in the goo of like transformation, Mm -hmm. and we're we are still very much Mm -hmm. in the goo. But I think some people are, you know turning their caterpillar into a different butterfly than they were on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. Than they intended their lives to be. And that's happening in your, in your, um, studio and it's happening in all of our lives. Like as we shift into school this year, I have a very different values around what's going to happen and what I value for my family and what matters most for my kid than I did previous to this. Right. There's like this beauty that can be born of all of it, and I think part of what's happening that can people probably can reflect on, even if they don't own a business, is that what the what we're really doing is redefining our values. Period. Yeah. People left their nine to five jobs that they thought they needed and would miss, and realize they don't miss it. A mm-hmm. lot of people or, or organizations are realizing I don't really need this enormous structure that housed these people. Mm-hmm. People can work productively at home, and like. I just think there's, there's so many fascinating things that will happen for those who are willing Mm -hmm. to release their selfish individual outlook for a moment, or maybe that's not even the right way to say it. I think if, I just think there's so much, um, space for us to really begin again, if people are willing to let go of the fear and the ego piece to some extent Mm -hmm. and, and kind of broaden their view
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and maybe see through a different lens, I guess.
1: I think that one of the, I I agree with that, but I think that there's um, an undercurrent right now of, and and because what has grown out of, um, and maybe I'm wrong, but what has grown out of fear and scarcity has become an even more opportunistic Mm. culture right now. Well, if
0: you're driven by selfish ego,
1: fear. Yes. You know, like what's yeah. my next opportunity? Like, yeah. I think that that's something that was really interesting that you and I talked about long ago. We, I came over for coffee and stayed yeah. for seven hours, <laughs> um, but we were talking on the porch about how, you know, it was, I think that that was an interesting experience for me at one point, I think it was a year or two ago, just about a year ago, maybe where I acknowledge and understood that, um, sometimes people will, utilize citizen as an opportunity as a platform for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I had never expected sort of that to happen. Mm. That was like a really weird, like, Oh wow. Okay. Like I didn't get, I, I don't really think about things like that in that way. And so I think that COVID is sort of highlighting some of that nature in us. Shadows. So keep yeah. Yeah. Like, what's a better opportunity right mm-hmm. now for me? And if it's not a good... If you're no longer the good opportunity, mm-hmm. then you don't have a value. So how, as a country and mm-hmm. as a community, can we not base our values on opportunities? Mm-hmm. So like, I think about that when you grow, and if you were an entrepreneur, for example. Mm-hmm. You know... Um, I used to, I think I've told, I talked about this, but, you know, I used to teach classes out of Matthew's, Matthew Darling's mm-hmm. studio mm-hmm. and, um, no people would come Right. most of the time. I would just like sit and do yoga by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but both, not thinking about yeah. it as, this is an opportunity. It's just like, I'm just doing the right thing. Like the it's, o- right thing. it's mm-hmm. okay that people aren't coming. It's mm-hmm. okay that this, this experience I'm not making money on. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's, that's a very privileged way of thinking. Sure. Okay. So let's feeding yourself. Didn't right. You I'm feeding up. myself. So right. let's, let's say yeah. like, okay, this is a, this is a, with the assumption that relative basic needs mm-hmm. are being met. Yes. Um, that's important. Yeah. Um, to make a note of. However, there still can be that thread of doing the right thing, Uh and I think that that is something that COVID is sort of forcing us to give up a little bit, forcing some people to give up or to not remember. I'd be interested to understand, and of course, we should probably get Cindy Warren in this conversation about the brain, like what is the brain science around stress and the relationship between stress and your short-term memory?
0: Oh well, there's obviously a huge relationship, there. right? Of yeah.
1: course, but I don't know. Like, I don't want to like start talking about it because I yeah. don't know exactly yeah. how it how it functions together. Mm-hmm. But sort of seeing how there's a lot of like w- short term memory loss and like not remembering mm-hmm. based in how stressed you are.
0: Well, I mean, even just think about it from the perspective of presence, right? Yeah. If we're in stress, we are not in the moment, right? So if we're never in the moment, then we're likely not logging very well, what's right. happening in any moment. I mean, that's just right. And yeah. that's just makes sense. I think it's really interesting what you're saying. Cause what we're saying is actually the same thing in that if you can step outside of your stress and your ego and your fear and it and sometimes that means that you watch the wave of that you allow yourself to be triggered or have the moment or panic or whatever and when you come down to the other side of it it's like i think sometimes people expect spiritual people or meditators or whatever to not follow the bell curve of human behavior yeah we do but when we get to the other side the difference is is that we look backward and go okay now that i'm back to like relatively Level. neutral yeah what am I really needing to know or learn about that? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, people who are in scarcity and fear are going to look for opportunists in a way that feels grasping. It's like the integrity and the intention is different mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody who's being innovative and mm-hmm. thinking, how can I diversify mm-hmm. that also, can look like opportunity, mm-hmm. right? I think it's so there's a really gray Fine space line. there. Yeah. And I think it, the only difference is really um, intention because most of us are thinking, how can I take mm-hmm. my business online more? Mm-hmm. You know, my friend Lori Lipton is like completely turning her program to online because she has to, right? right. You've turned your teacher training into online. Because you have to, right. That isn't I mean, it's not opportunistic because it isn't ego driven. It's just, I gotta, I gotta adapt. Yeah. Right. And so I just think it's, it's the, it's where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, which, which base emotion is this coming from? This is coming from trust and faith and hope and knowledge that I can continue to co-create and create a reality that feels Mm -hmm. supported and abundant in spite of my circumstances or Do I need to grasp at every opportunity because something might give me the more name, fame,
1: whatever power. Right. I mean, that's really like I think that the 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 industry of yoga is it's such a confusing industry because you're teaching things in your class, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily living the things. And that was that actually to me was one of the pieces that I really I think it's really hard to live it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our core values, for example, like, okay, we have very clear core values and every decision I make, whether people understand it or not, is based in these core values. Mm -hmm. Like we don't make arbitrary business decisions. Sometimes I'm impulsive, which is my nature. Um, you're
0: far less less impulsive than you were when you started. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I've
1: been working on it. Um,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm
1: trying to think of like really funny decisions. You know, I just have to tell you this one impulsive sale, flash sale I did one year for our birthday. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. I was like, oh, yeah, we should do 30. You can do like 30% your way. Mm-hmm. But then I realized at 7 a.m. in Detroit when we were doing it that 30% off a 50 class pass was like we would be like, like giving it away. Yeah. yeah. So then I had to like change my idea. It was like the one, ter- I've had two very terrible ideas in my <laughs> career, and that was one of them. Um, And I like laugh about it all the time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that there is something really challenging about running a business that each, each day challenges your core values. Mm -hmm. Now in COVID you're, you're more challenged than ever Mm -hmm. to, 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 to follow those. But that, that to me, was one reason that you and I sort of envisioned Citizen because a lot of the places that we were, their core values were different than the core values that they spoke about in the yoga room, how they ran their company. Now, that doesn't mean everybody understands every choice that I make Mm -hmm. or that I've done everything in alignment or with integrity or, you know, again, human error. Um, You know, my biggest, I would say that my biggest weakness is I talk so much Mm -hmm. that sometimes I forget what I say. And that has gotten Mm -hmm. me into some, not trouble. I don't want to use the word trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, I just mean, that to me is something that I'm working on this year. Yeah. That's my my intention for this year, is to really monitor what's coming out of my mouth. Because I'm so hyperverbal. Right. And... That is probably the only time that I've strayed a little bit from core values
0: mm-hmm.
1: unknowingly of yeah. course it's yeah. the unconscious
0: side of who I am and wanting to make people happy yes and in the moment reduce discomfort which we yes. all do it's it's mm. like what we're taught to do as women so there's that
1: but how do we every day live our core values without with un- acknowledging that they're being challenged in every turn
0: yeah well that's i think then the that is what it means to work to be awake in our lives is that first you have to be willing to even figure out what your core values are, which I think most people are clueless about. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's taught in our culture to, to look for that kind of information inside ourselves. Um, and most of us just sort of take blindly whatever core values were passed on to us from either our family, right, our ancestry or our religion mm-hmm. or faith. Um,
1: do you have one that you, I'm like thinking of one, do you have one that you feel like you were given that you sort of feel like wasn't, isn't really who you are that you've let go of? Hmm.
0: You'd say yours and I'll think about mine.
1: Mine is this idea of being free. Mm. Like free, like no, having discipline is no freedom. Having boundary means that you don't have freedom. And so the lack of boundary, that was a dog's head. Um, maybe they could hear it. Uh, the lack of boundary was a way to be more self expressive Mm. and, and experience freedom. Mm -hmm. But actually what I've learned as an adult is that the lack of boundary creates L- l- lack of stability for me for sure, mm-hmm. but also, um, an undercurrent of disrespect for other people. Mm. Like, well, I'm going to just do what I want mm. or I don't want to do that because that's uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was taught. And not, mm-hmm. and not to say that, you know, that was my only value as a child, that no, wasn't, no, no. but that was, that was something I had to shed as an adult. mm mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. I'm sure there's a million right now that there's like two sort of that are coming to me. I, the environment I was raised in and they probably kind of play together was, um, and I think these are sort of like classic, uh, British UK type Mm. things about, um, not really allowing yourself the fullness of human experience. Like don't be too, and this was also mental health in my home and things like that, but like. Don't get too sad or too happy. Just kind of always hold this like middle line. Mm. And yes, I'm a grounded person. It's right, my right. nature. Yeah. But giving myself permission to go high and to go low was not something that was really uh, allowed for me. Which and within that came also this sense of like, um, don't take up too much space. Right? Is really mm-hmm. with that. Which I think a lot of us are past that one. Like don't be too outspoken. Don't yes. have too much of an opinion. Don't, um, and like, how do we, one I continue to grapple with is like, especially those of us who feel called to role of teacher, right. Mm-hmm. And being in a spiritual world, right. How do I have a voice in the world and fulfill my own soul's calling of, of teaching and speaking and, um, being with group, right. Cause mm-hmm. you and I both, I like thrive mm-hmm. on group, yeah. um, and group energy. yeah. Uh, I'm not like a, Therapist one-on-one kind of person. It would, it I was would literally just me. saying that.
1: I yeah. was like, I can't even do like private yoga sessions because yeah. I'm like, okay, can you bring
0: seven people? Right, exactly. Like and then I can do it. But like if, if I do one-on-one, like I don't know what is why. Right. Exactly. So, um, so learning how to honor who I am, take up space, have a voice, and still constantly check in that I'm not, that it isn't ego driven. Right. And I'm more afraid of it being ego driven. Like it's more the fear of showing up like other people have that I found to be icky. Yeah. yeah, It yeah. stops me than my own feeling that it is my ego. Do you does that make yes, sense? Like, yeah.
1: like, are you the caricature or the cult leader or right.
0: the, um, because it's misuse of power, right? Right. Yes. And I'm so careful about that. And I think part of that carefulness or, or hypervigilance yeah. is also back to sort of old school Christian values, English values, you know, and... The, like, hyper-monitoring. Yeah. Yeah. itself. The,
1: yeah. Right. But, like, I was taught the exact opposite of, like, don't monitor. Yeah. Like, be know, free. Be whatever. free. Say yeah. whatever comes to your mind. Yeah. You
0: know? And, like... I did get some of that, thankfully, from my mother. She's very blunt. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like... Uh,
1: that, that that's been like a really, um, interesting
0: sort of exploration of how we can evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that when we start to look, there are so many things that were taught that don't fit. And and most of that is like ancestral imprinting, um, you know, lessons that came from out of the Holocaust, right. right. For people of Jewish faith and how, what that was like for, for my, um, you know, at least in this body, uh, you know, depression and, um, Mm -hmm. poverty and just like, you can go back and back and back. And those, those leave imprints on Mm -hmm. us. And so if you're not aware, then you're going to be carrying around core values and trying to match your life to those core values that were handed to you that aren't really your core values. They're just values that were given Mm -hmm. to you. And then you find yourself in these places where you're really discontent, unhappy and you don't know why, right? Right. Because I think a
1: lot of people are feeling like that though right now.
0: That's what that's what I'm saying. I think that is so much of what's being highlighted both nationally, globally and right. um, We don't have any core values
1: except the individual. Yes. That was the that was the point uh, of I was mentioning before, there was an article in the New York Times saying, why did the U.S. handle this pandemic so poorly? Yep. And one of the reasons is that we prioritize too much the individual over the collective. Yep. It was about everybody's rights and everybody's freedoms and everybody's preferences. Mm-hmm. I would say more preferences than, than rights. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. What's the difference between a right and a preference? Yep. Yeah. That's a real thing. Like I like this. I don't like this. And just because you dislike it doesn't mean that then somebody's going against your right. Yes. Which is a sort of uh, our problem, yeah,' so It's like, I'm uncomfortable, so now you're violating my rights, yes, like as if rights are the things that that protect you from
0: discomfort, right
1: <laughs> That's not what it is,
0: right. I I keep thinking of that in that sort of conversation that it's about the difference between power over versus empowered. Mm. And I was going to
1: ask you a question about that. So, yeah. So yeah.
0: to me, this, you know, let's just call it what it is. This debate around masks, right. Became power over versus empowered. And I know it's hotly debated. Like I, you're probably uncomfortable. that I just brought it no, up. I don't but care. Okay. But speak whatever you want. Um, but this is what I finally—I I was trying to understand what is so. How our viewpoints like this is what I keep doing. Like, how can we see the world through such different lenses, even within the spiritual community, which I used to believe we were more in alignment than apparently no. we are. Right? We're not. Whatever the whoever the spiritual community yeah, is, is that that? I don't freaking know. But, um, but I was like, I, this is what I don't. This is the difference, and what I what I what I think is so. What people need a, a mind to flip around this is that. I was raised in a way that was everybody gives a little so that you can be slightly inconvenienced to benefit the whole. And that's just something that's like the right thing to do. Mm. So that means you pay your taxes. That means you vote yes to give a little more money to the schools or like when the rail, the M rail, whatever was going to try to come this way. Yes. I'll pay more to let mass transit be more accessible. Like that was always things like, You know, and this is what I think many people are starting to label heated words like socialism and communism and Marxism and all these things that are just getting thrown out. But to me, that's just a core value. Do If you have, you give a little bit more to help the whole like that. So to me, in my experience, whether the masks worked was irrelevant. If it was going to help a few, it was a small, small sacrifice I could make. And I wasn't giving my power away to the authority that said I needed to wear the mask. Right. 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 Because I know that my personal liberation has nothing to do with what's outside of me. Right. right? Nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's your point about what would I be without my business? You know what? You'd figure it out. You'd be okay because your business is still an external thing. Right. And, and I, who is it? Um, the Holocaust writer, I'm sorry, his name is escaping me. Uh, he wrote night Ellie Wiesel is he's, isn't he he the one I think who talks sort of about this, like that, like he still maintains some sense of his own inherent self that no matter the atrocities that he was in and with and experiencing and seeing like the, the people who survived the Holocaust likely had some thread of always knowing that their personal liberation was from within Mm. and we can talk about that from pretty much anybody who's jailed unjustly and survives with some modicum of mental health still mm-hmm. intact. You mm-hmm. know um, mm. that that's what's true. And so, yoga is trying to offer you the reminder that your liberation is within you, your freedom is within you, and yeah. and that that the choice to reclaim that power is always within your own hands, no matter what the circumstances of the world are. Mm-hmm. But you have to let go of the idea that somebody's trying to exert power over you mm-hmm. or take yeah. away your power.
1: I think that that's like the the lens that we were talking about earlier, yeah. which was like, that's where I think people are confused. Uh-huh. It's like, just because you like, I, I and I'm not even just talking about citizens, so outside of citizens, globally, like if you work for a company does not mean that you're a disempowered person. Right. And so my question to you is, like, what's the difference between being empowered and being, an in, like, individualistic? Yeah. Because I think that those two things are being extremely confused right now. Yeah. Like, if I think about myself and now I'm this empowered person, then I'm empowered. But, like, is that to say that when you are in the collective, you're not an empowered
0: person? Right. Well, I think it's about – I think disempowerment is giving – Gosh, that's such a, I know this is, I've been really like toying with this and talking about it in class too. Disempowerment, mm. I think is the illusion that somebody else holds it right. Or has it and it, and you have to get it back. Right. Or mm-hmm. I, I guess that's part of what I think of like with this individualism type approach is that it's really based on somebody yes. else is trying to take it from you. Oh, interesting.
1: That's a, that's a, I see your distinguishing factor.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. Cause maybe I don't. Yet, yeah. But. So like what you're saying <laughs> is
1: like, if you're an empowered person, you have that thread of like, I can be within a community, I can be within a collective, I can be within a company, I can be within my family, and my thread of of still, worth and power is not is not taken away because I'm a part of something. Yes, I think that that's what's being confused yes. right now. It's yes. like, oh, I'm a part of something. Oh, then I'm disempowered. Yes, and, and to some people, for to sure. some people, yes. I don't mean all people. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is just uh, again like. Remember, if you're listening
0: and like you're taking it personally, stop. Um, it's just, <laughs> well, unless it's for you, like right. reflect. That's the whole point, right? Reflect. Yeah. If it's triggering you, there's something in there to look. That's always the truth of it. That is, yeah. Um, yes, I think that's okay. So say that again, because I it was triggering another thought for me. So
1: the individualist is thinking, oh, because I'm a part of the collective, a business, a company, a community, a family. That not maybe
0: not a family. A family sometimes though. Yeah, families okay. can be really disempowering. Um,
1: yeah then I'm not empowered because I am a part of something mm-hmm. or that, mm-hmm. that part is giving me part of my whole. So now in order to become empowered, I must break that relationship and say, I'm an individual and I do it on my own, mm-hmm. which I think has become this like empowered persona, like a camouflage We're driven by power and persona. Yes. 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 And I feel like that is what I too have been trying to, grapple with, uncover, make sure that I'm not in that trip fall like that, or the, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm in, I'm not in that same cycle. Yeah. Like I, I have to start to put words to it and reflect on it so that I too am not that individual trying to say, to keep something together in a way that then makes other people disempowered. Yeah. It's such a strange place Mm -hmm. right now to be in because I think people are thinking, the more I am my individual, the more in quote" empowered I am, right. but why does empowered mean that you have to sort of, if you would use the word dif- disenfranchise, right. And I, I don't know what if dis- I would love to work up, look up the definition of disenfranchise, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, what, what we're talking about to some extent is this idea that, well, I think that your, your personal empowerment really, if it's, if it's true, I don't know this, this is true, but this is what I'm feeling right now as I'm saying it is that it won't take away. It will never take away from somebody else's. They might perceive it Mm. as taking away their power, but inherently standing in your truth and power doesn't take away. It might make you feel uncomfortable. They might not get the payoff they wanted from you. Mm. You might break the kind of contract of the relationship, but it isn't I think true empowerment cannot be given or taken, right? It mm-hmm. exists within you. I, I remember a couple I talked about this during class a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know how you are in class, but for me it's like a direct channel and I don't always remember what yes, I say. To-
1: oh. But <laughs> people are like, why don't you put on your Instagram? okay, this is actually a conversation. Yeah. Casey, because I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with my Instagram. Like, oh, yeah, I don't like know what to say. And they're like, You say so much every day. Why don't you just put whatever you're saying in philosophy and in your classes on your Instagram? I'm like, I don't remember what I say. Like I've I literally you know what thought, I mean like I'm like I don't yeah. know. Like okay, can somebody sit in class and write it down because I'm not like had this prescriptive written down yeah. journal of like yeah. all these things I'm going to say to people. I'm teaching to the person, to the people, to the group that to are in energy, front of me. Totally.
0: Yeah. Um, I have heard recommended that you record yourself and then voice transcript, like voice to script oh, thing. I need to do the same thing. Okay. That's a good Cause idea. I feel the same way about writing. I'm like, right. it doesn't come the same way if I'm not speaking it. That's yeah. cause we're wired for group and. Public and, yeah. teaching, right? Um, okay, so back to this thing. I was talking about this in class, and one of the things that, like, I think when you brought up family, it triggered a memory around that for me, is that often, like, like in our lives, we, we grow and adapt and change, right? Actually, we were just having this conversation in my kitchen yesterday with our friend, um, Sam, who's 20, and that... Um, what happens is, like, you leave your home environment, right? That's your family of origin. And you go out into the world and you start to, like, strip away some of these mm-hmm. things that didn't fit, right? That they were kind of placed upon you. And then every once in a while, every holiday, a couple times a year, you find yourself placed back in. Mm-hmm. And it's like the expectation is that everyone's expecting you to be who you were, mm-hmm. even though you yourself have changed likely in some big or small ways, Right. right? And then like, how do we, and then we start to see all these like unhealthy patterns and we're like, Holy crap, no wonder I've struggled with whatever. Right. Cause like that programming was installed in me and I'm seeing it now because I've removed myself a little bit. And it's like, how do you stand in your power without pissing off your whole family or the whole dynamics? And like i think so often we think we have to exert that in some way that mm-hmm. you have to start the fight with your mother and point out all the ways she's flawed in order to like regain your power mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes that's true but i think it's sometimes just as simple as holding your core value mm-hmm. in that space letting things roll off that are not necessary and just remembering who you are in spite of that old dynamic trying to pull you back in. Yeah. And what I keep hearing over and over again, like empowerment is ultimately identifying your core values and holding steady to that because your power exists within those, that value system, I guess. You yeah. Know?
1: And that was something that I think has shifted for me at citizen, which is really focusing on, the work that we're doing as helping people arrive in their own maturity. Mm. We never really use the word mature in the past, Mm. but that to me is something that I have seen was lacking in myself. Mm. Um, when I first opened still obviously is lacking in myself and many times. Um, but really that like, how do we define maturity? And it was interesting. Um, you know, I've been studying with a teacher out of New York, Abby Galvin, who I think is hysterical. And there, there are two parts of this one. Is that um, they were defining, she was defining like, and it was so right true, like a beginner Mm -hmm. thinks they know everything. So Mm -hmm. that's like your teenage self. Yeah. Right. But what I actually am seeing in most people is that they're just an intermediate, which feels like they know nothing, which means they have to rebel against everything. Mm. And then an advanced or expert person, you just understand where you're at. Yeah. And when you become advanced in asana, you just, you understand that it's infinite. Yeah. And that I will never know everything about Asana. Yep. It's impossible. Just like I would never know everything about philosophy. Yep. Before I would be like I know nothing. Yeah. And that knowing knowing nothing makes you feel like you're in a lacking space, in a rebellious phase, because mm-hmm. you're so like afraid that you're nothing. Mm. And 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 in the beginning, you're like you have this like novice, like sort of Blissfully ignorant, like I know everything, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like mm-hmm. teenager mm-hmm. vibe. I know my body. And yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think that that's a, a part of this journey to self empowerment is really becoming a mature person. And then there's this other sort of section um, in Katona Yoga where they talk about the four stages, which again in, in Vedanta, there's the four um, waking, dream, deep, uh, excuse me, uh, deep, we'll start with deep sleep, dream, waking, and then the fourth state. And instead of the fourth state being, like, enlightenment in in this particular school, which we're not a school of yoga because we love everybody, but in this school they talk about the first sort of level of yourself, which is, like, your unconscious. Mm -hmm. And then the second level is, like, your technique, your capability, the things that you learn. The third is your ability to reflect on it, Mm -hmm. to digest it, to look at it, to have a vision about it. And then the fourth is, like, your mature state. Mm. And I think that that is where we're trying to journey, but we keep getting stuck in mm-hmm. like the unconscious. I'm trying to learn I'm the intermediate. I know nothing. Right. And so how do we, how, how do we facilitate our own selves? Cause I'm going to talk about myself more than I would just be like, how do I help others? Mm-hmm. How do I facilitate my own maturity has been a question that I've been asking myself through COVID mm-hmm. um, versus my enlightenment.
0: Yeah. Well, right. That makes sense to me anyway. Cause I always think. Right. Like, uh, it's yeah. a complicated, I, 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 think so many of those, um, and this is just my personal opinion, but so many, and this has came up with the teacher trainers and the last time I met with them when we were going over yamas and niyamas and, um, and the eight limbs of yoga, which is a uh, vashtanga yoga, um, which is like, how much do we allow something to evolve while still honoring the tradition, totally. right? and you know, we were, we were speaking specifically on the, um, I'm sorry for Brahimahara, whatever that one is. Uh, I'm sure I just totally F that up, but the one about celibacy is oh, Bra- brahmacharya. Brahmacharya. Sorry. Thank you. I of, I'm mixing them all up. Aparigraha and that one mixing yeah, together. That yeah. That
1: was like a portmanteau of yeah. two. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Don't two grasp your,
0: your celibacy. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but we were talking about it from the perspective of like so many of these, um, sort of codes of living came out of completely different times and like patriarchy and oppression of women and yeah. that women were dangerous and their sexuality was dangerous anyway the point being the maturity piece to me is even can I take what's what the the heart and the truth and anything but also recognize that it mm. may not stay totally intact as it once was because yeah. the world is changing all the time and our and our con- collective consciousness and our individual consciousness is yeah. changing. Yeah. So it's really interesting about this idea of, I like maturity better than enlightenment too. Yeah. Also because my point, the whole reason I started that part, that what I was saying is that enlightenment has never felt real to me because I've always felt very connected with the idea that I am a soul who chose to embody as a human, but I have to still play by human rules Right until, until I'm not right. embodied until anymore. You're not embodied. It's, um, it's funny cause I'm getting this
1: visual of like our journey and it sounds so sort of trite and dumb, but it's Okay. Which is, like, before, like, as a beginner in this, like, country, in this world, or in my life, it's like, okay, I know everything, and you're just, like, this little caterpillar, mm-hmm. you know? And I think in the past couple of years, we've become, you know, like, the book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Yeah. Where we, like, have been consuming mm-hmm. at this, like, massive rate, and then we're just, like, this giant
0: caterpillar.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then, like, quarantine is, like, this cocoon mm-hmm. of it could be your like transformation or it could just not be your transformation of who you want to become and mm-hmm. who you want to mature into. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're an individual, I, for me, like I've learned that the more I think one, the more I think about myself, the less happy I am. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. Like if I could, if I could write a, I think I've said this in a past podcast, like if I could write a life thesis mm-hmm. and like try to prove it, like to me, that's what my life is purposes is, is like just to prove to myself as well, not to just others, but to myself, that the more I think collectively, not in a, a disregarding of the individual, I'm a very individualistic person. Mm-hmm. I love fashion and, yeah. and self-expression and all those things. Yeah. But just the idea that if I just pin a little bit more to the whole and think about how others are doing more than how I'm doing, mm-hmm. I will be a happier person mm-hmm. or at least a less scared person. Yeah a less scared person because I would say that happiness to me is like whatever, but I, yeah, yeah, I'm a scared, I'm a very scared person generally, Mm -hmm. like in Mm my
0: genetic makeup and like my, soul experience and I would totally go back again to that thing I was saying about journey of souls and it's reflected in many teachings um sort of in the more metaphysical world which is that that is part of the evolution of the soul that I see myself as part of the collective and I care more about the collective than my individual self and that collaboration is actually like a mark Mm. of maturity, right? That I am not afraid. Like the spiritual world acts all the time. Like it wants to collaborate. My friend Laurie and I talk about this all the time. And then it becomes this like, you know, ego dance. And you watch, you watch people kind of grasping at their power. And it's even goes to the conversation of how to, how do I monetize in a world that I need money is the energy currency. Right. And so, how do I monetize this sort of like yoga, right. Or yeah. spiritual teachings or a podcast that talks about spirituality or, or online programming that helps people grow. Like how do we monetize that because it is an energy exchange, but how do I get okay with that? Um, when I feel like really, I just want it to serve. Right. But I think the uh, the other piece of that is also collaboration. How do I not, how do I find somebody who's also willing to collaborate without it feel like feeling like th- a reflection of my own unworthiness or fighting for adoration or, you know, all of that. Anyway,
1: I think think that that's a specific, like you have to consistently fight that. Like even as an owner and like, especially during this time where everybody, everybody's doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, that has been really interesting self checking Mm -hmm. of like, I can't provide everything for everyone. Right. So if I say to somebody, you can't do this or you can't do your own thing, is that a statement against citizen or can that just be understanding that people right now have to sort of do, aspects of their own thing yep. and that has sort of like popped my fantasy bubble mm-hmm. that like you know we had some big plans for our teachers this year and covid ran over those mm-hmm. with a big mac truck mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i think that that has been uh something really challenging and really interesting to to watch mm-hmm. and to be a part of and to witness mm-hmm. um you know fancy fancy and i had a conversation where she said you know, I'm teaching my regular schedule right now mm-hmm. and I know that one day you will say, hey, thank you so much. And you will give back to me yeah. for paying me less and, and me teaching probably more yeah. and working harder because yeah. you're on Zoom in the middle of a pandemic yeah. about to cry your right. face off. Right. And I said to her like, yeah, like one, thank you. Like that to me was such an expression of values. That mm-hmm. not everybody said to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... I will forever remember that conversation um, because it was, an, it was a true expression of your core values in that moment because I didn't have that... That wasn't the conversation I had with everybody. Right. And not not to say our team isn't amazing because everybody is amazing. Right. But, but that sort of acknowledgement of, I will work as hard as I always do with Citizen. Yeah. I will be paid less. Yeah. And... I'm okay with that, but I know that you'll take care of me if I need to be taken care of. And I was like, yes. Right. For life. Right. Right? For life. Right. And I said that to Zemba the other day. Like, whatever happens, like, we are in this together. Yeah. And whatever support you need, I will do my best to give you that support. Yeah. And the same to you. And, I mean, the same to every person on our team. To the extent that I can offer that. Yeah. And I think that that... When we talk about individual and collective, that moment on the phone, I know exactly where I was walking, was just like, yeah, this is why you are on my team. Right. Like, This is why we are together, is because we do believe in this. Yeah. We don't, we're not teaching for any other reason. We're not a part of Citizen for any other reason than being a part of a collective, yeah. serving students, yeah. and living our soul's mission, which is to help people yep. and to uplift people yep. and ourselves, of course. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that conversation
0: because, um, that stuck with me very deeply actually. Yeah. Well, this is really the bow ending, right? Is Mm -hmm. like, even in the midst of this, how can I get out of my own way in order to, you know, serve, collaborate, be a part of like the collective solution, you know, Mm -hmm. um, maybe that means helping.
1: What is, what is, yeah. Yeah.
0: Sorry. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Just like, I think that's really what this is all about. I think this is the, one of the many gifts of the pandemic in general is that just, am I willing to really get out of my own way and really identify my core values and then step into them, having faith that by stepping into that path and that flow, all is well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All will be okay, you mm-hmm. know? And Not the same. No. Right? Not the same. Because I think when
1: we say, like, the misinterpretation is all is well, we'll be like, all will be back to
0: normal. So to me, all is well is more like um, I have faith in myself and I have faith in the universe that, like, there will be another side of this and it won't be the same necessarily. I mean, that's sort of life, like for sure. Um, it won't be the same, but, and I won't be the same, but there will still be, it's back to that, like Santosha, that at least there'll be that sense of contentment and those moments and those glimpses of calm, you know, that come to me, like all as well as like actually it's the anchor, even though it's, I think it's from the Bible, but like to me, it's the anchor of like, even in the midst of chaos and sadness and anxiety and fear and heartbreak, I know that there is always sort of another side to it. Mm -hmm. There will be a time that we look back and this is all a blip there will be that and it will be different and we'll be different. Yeah. If we, especially if we choose to continue to show up, in the work that's being asked of us,
1: yeah. which is inner work. The collect, I like the idea of like the collective solution. Yeah. Like can you be a part of the collective solution versus the individual solution? Yes. I never put that in those
0: terms. So, yeah. Well, this was Thank great. you. Thank you. We'll keep, well, we'll we should just do it for seven hours. Perfect. We can just divide it into different episodes. Um, cool. Thanks fans. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. I hope you didn't mind the dogs. <laughs> prancing back and forth throughout that uh, episode. Uh, Thank you to Casey for uh, making us get together and do that. It's always fun when we chat. I'm not sure who's interviewing who. Uh, If you're enjoying this podcast with me, I'd appreciate so much if you took time to rate it and share it um, and subscribe. That helps me find more listeners who would enjoy the content. Thanks again for just showing up in the world. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. And I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Have a good one.